This is the How To Dad podcast. It is June 9th, 2019. We are live on Mixer. I am your host, Devin Pierce. Here where each week I bring you guys tips, tricks for parenting, adulting, life as a whole, and share the tools from my toolbox for you to make you better equipped for life's great adventure. Today is episode 13, big one three. We're talking wildlife safety yet again, because as I promised you guys last week, I wanted to make sure we got this topic out of the way and done skeet skeet. We're focusing on bears this week. This bear smart guide provided by the Alberta government is our reading resource material. And funnily enough, the local radio stations the last week, since last week's episode, have been really promoting the website for Bear Smart uh, Knowledge, which is bearsmart.alberta.ca. And uh, it's kind of funny that that's been brought up all week long while I've been trying to get this ready for you guys. And I know I'm late with the live show. I'm sorry. I haven't checked out the website myself, but I'm assuming it's very much the same information that is available in the book I was reading. As they're both provided by the Alberta government. The first thing we're going to talk about is bear identification because around here we have the grizzly and black bear. Grizzly bears. Well, these guys are the big, gnarly, mean ones with a huge hump over their shoulders. This hump i'm not sure if it serves any biological function or if it's just how they do things maybe they will have some silver or lightly tipped called guard hairs over their head hump and back which is what gives them the grizzle look their overall size of their ears is small in comparison to the rest of their body and are rounded they have claws that are light in color, so they stand out from the darkness of their fur and are up to 10 centimeters or four inches in length-ish. When you look at the tracks or the footprints left behind from a grizzly bear, you're looking at a set of toe pads that are almost in a perfectly straight line gapped from the main pad of their paw. And there will be paw imprints, but they'll be gapped away from the toe portion of the paw print. If you're looking at them, they have kind of a pig-shaped head and don't have much peripheral vision because their eyes are pretty much straight on. So what are the differences for black bears? Well, they're black. That, that's a pretty good indicator. They also don't have the weird hump on their back. They don't belong in Notre Dame. Well, nobody does anymore. Too, too soon? Probably too soon for that joke. The, um, I loved Notre Dame, by the way, when I was there. Terrible tragedy, that. Yes, black bears do not have the hump on their backs. They have a pretty uniform or singular color. They tend not to vary in shade from spot to spot. And... They have a more 
pointed and noticeable ears. They stand more upright on their heads. The claws are usually the same color as the rest of them and are rather short, only about 2.5 centimeters or one inch in length. The tracks left behind by a black bear have toe pads that form a noticeable arc on them. And the claw prints are often not visible at all or much closer to the toe pads if you do see them. I reminded my children I have a show tonight and said they needed to be sneaky ninja feats. Obviously, that means something different. The bears, the black bear also has a straighter facial profile, much greater in peripheral vision, a little bit more offset to the side with their eyes, kind of more like a dog's face shape when I was looking at the pictures of them, at least in my opinion. Some bear necessities, the facts about these various bears bears spend approximately four to six months in their dens during the winter season after spending all the other three seasons eating food they consume up to twenty-five thousand calories a day although most of their food that they will eat being berries and other plants are a very low calorie count requiring them to eat often and a lot average daily calorie daily caloric intake for an adult female in Canada is about 1,800 calories. No matter how many times I rephrased that in Google, I could not find the answer for men. Good job, Canadian food guide. Segregation. Bears are both smart and curious, using their keen sense of smell to seek out new food sources. Bears are like an elephant, and they will never forget where they found food or how they got into it. I feel like I'm doing my sports announcer voice today for some reason. Whether it be from getting fruit from fruit trees we've planted, like containers, vehicles, or even out of buildings. Human. 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 Food can be irresistible to bears, and when they get food conditioned, that's in quotation marks by the way, the process by which they associate human and human places with food availability, it is difficult, to, if not impossible, to prevent bears from seeking out such locations in the future. I forgot to put it in my notes, but there's actually a comment in here about bear relocation. Uh, once they've become human associated makes it pretty much impossible they will either find new humans to interact with or they have no problem actually going across country to find the spot they were taken from so they're kind of a pain in the butt to move around also requires a lot of human resources and money so the next question becomes, well, how do we prevent interactions with bears when you're out in bear country? Which, uh, by the way, if you're living in Alberta, you're in bear country. There's a cute little map in here. Show for anybody on the YouTube replay or the current listeners. But basically anything south and east of Edmonton or Calgary is not considered the normal typical range for either bear type black bears definitely have a 
majority of the zoning in Alberta. However, just like cougars, you can run into a bear anywhere in this province. They do tend to wander off. Just like in last week's episode when we talked about cougars, the top recommendations include traveling in a group, having a plan if you do encounter wildlife, to watch for signs of wildlife such as scat or paw prints or turned over rocks because they look for grubs underneath them. Even areas where trees may have been crushed because they were trying to eat the berries, things like this. Don't wear headphones or use anything else that might interfere with your ability to hear or detect nearby wildlife. And basically, because bears are kind of focused on food and protecting their young, they aren't really focused on avoiding us. So it's up to us to be focused on avoiding them. There are, of course, some locations and times that will make you more likely to interact with a bear, which is, you know, kind of important to know. This includes any area of high noise, such as running places with running water or heavy wind and rain waterfalls such i mean honestly who hasn't seen a video of a grizzly bear catching fish swimming up river in a little whatever spot if it's good fishing for them it's good fishing for you that means you're both going to be there too think about that of course, like most animals, dawn to dusk, or dusk till dawn, I should say, through the nighttime hours, is when you're more likely to interact with them. When you're out on trails, you know, around bends or approaching hills where you have a limited line of sight, also increases the likelihood of you stepping up onto a bear or out around a tree into a bear's path without you realizing it. Also, don't be just frolicking like the sound of music and dancing your way through berry patches because they do like to eat berries and well, if you're going to be where they're eating, you could be eating. You're going camping this season. You're going camping in the great white north. You're going to check out the Jasper National Park area maybe. Well, that's bear country for both kinds of bears. So let's talk about some bear smart camping. As you should do before you go on any outdoor adventure, leave the information about your destination, your estimated return time with someone back home. That way, if you can't communicate an emergency situation, someone else can start the search. Pick camping sites that aren't near travel corridors, which is, you know, rivers, valleys, and anywhere that's obviously a food source for something. Maybe you found some scat. Oops, pretty good indicator that something was there. You want to pick areas that have good lines of sight so that if a bear comes meandering out of the woods, he sees your camp and you can see him long before either of you need to do a tango. You don't want to tango with a bear. Oh, I have two left feet. Terrible dances. When setting up a camp with groups, make sure that your tents, trailers, and vehicles are set up in a way that 
if a bear comes meandering through in the middle of the night and somebody gets up and startles the bear, the bear has a clear and easy way out. So leave some space between you and other objects in your campground, basically. Use dried, pre-cooked, or canned foods so that they have less odor. Never bury or burn any scrap food as that could attract animals. Any clothing that was worn while you were cooking or fishing should also be stored at least 100 meters from your camp, which is almost 100 yards or more than 100 yards. I didn't actually convert that one for you guys. Sorry. In remote areas, make sure that you're storing your food about three and a half meters above ground, which is 11-ish, 12 feet above ground. And again, about 100 meters away from camp. If you can or have the availability, use bear-resistant containers for food and garbage storage. Now you're out on the trails, whether you're hiking, biking, or geocaching, which I will always make a reference to wherever I can because that's my preferred hobby. The rules are pretty similar to those that we spoke about with cougars, you know, uh, traveling in a group, conversating between your group, maintaining a level of noise. And if you're biking, whether by yourself or in a group, make sure that you have something making noise as bikes tend to run very quiet. The speed and lack of noise increases the likelihood of an encounter with bears. Make sure your bear spray is close, either in a chest or belt holster, and that you know what you're doing with it. When traveling in your groups, be sure to keep children between the adults. Keep dogs on a leash, or better off, leave them at home. As we discussed last week, the barking, which is intended to warn you of a predatory animal, attracts them towards you. All right, so now you have ran into a bear. What did you do? Well, pretty much the same thing as a cougar. You don't want that bear unless it has shown intent in you. Involve, don't involve yourself. Don't provoke it. Move away. Keep your eye on the bear. So back away from it. Don't turn your back on it. Bears essentially have a personal bubble like we do as humans, and they don't like it if you get into their bubble. So stay out of it, and 99% of the time, that's enough to keep a bear from interacting with you. If a bear does start to show interest in you, or is behaving in a defensive manner, such as making a bluff charge, which is typically a grizzly behavior, but does sometimes occur in black bears, um, speak calmly. <laughs> Move your arms slowly up and down, and back away from the bear. To a place of safety. If the bear does make contact, it's time to assume the position. You know, lay on your belly, dig your toes into the ground, lace your fingers together, covering the back of your neck, and try really hard to count to 120 Mississippis. Approximately two minutes. If the bear has, if the bear continues to attack you after about that length of time you need to start fighting back because this has turned into a predator-prey situation, not just a defensive, scare you, get you out of my way thing. 
So this next behavior is typically more associated with black bears. How grizzlies will do it. And this is where they start staring at you intently. They lower their head and they start watching you and following you. Even after you've tried to warn them away from you with your arm flapping and your calm speech. Kind of like a dog that's about to attack something. The main reason for this, or sorry, the many reasons for this could be anything from the bear being juvenile and testing his limits or the bear can be human habituated or food contained. Uh, I didn't want to write the word down in my notes. Food conditioned, that's the word. From having interacted with people and people areas in the past. And at this point in time, you need to be prepared for an attack. Uh, they actually suggest throwing sticks and rocks at them. Uh, I'm guessing this is because you're dealing typically with a black bear, not a grizzly. That would be why. I wouldn't recommend throwing things at a grizzly bear, ever. Um, this is just simply to show the bear that you are willing to defend yourself. Both last week and this week, we have mentioned bear spray. I've never used bear spray, and uh, so I want to make sure I give you guys some information about bear spray. You want to aim low to the front of the bear, approximately the location of its mouth, nose, and eyes. That's where it is most effective. These high-powered canisters are also effective from about four meters away, which I was kind of impressed to find out. That's close to 13 feet. If the bear is in that zone, you want to fire off one to two second bursts continually until the bear leaves. Also be aware that different sized containers of bear spray will have different lengths of use. And you may need to take more than one with you out on the trails. Be sure to leave in the opposite direction that the bear chooses to go. And be prepared to jump out of its way if it decides to go through you rather than away from you. A study on Alaskan bear encounters shows that 98% of those who use bear spray are uninjured. The remaining 2% require no hospitalization for their minor injuries. And like that's, that's actually really good odds. I mean, I'm pretty sure the statistics for you dying in a car accident on the way to work are, are more likely. So that's pretty cool. The purpose of bear spray is not to harm the animal or but rather to interrupt the attack kind of like a distraction noodle if you don't know what i'm referencing we can't be friends i'm sorry uh, whereas a fire whereas a firearm is viewed as an attack at the animal the bear spray simply distracts them long enough for them to decide whether or not they're going to keep going at you essentially the active ingredient is a form of capsilium which the first word in its name i knew I couldn't pronounce so I just skipped over it which causes irritation for the eyes nose lungs as well as severe but temporary eye irritation and difficulty breathing uh, when you're using bear spray consider the wind direction and the fact that it might change spraying it back at you which could be horrible Voice to text, guys. I swear. 
what it says is you want to make sure that your cancer is labeled. What it's supposed to say is you want to make sure that your can container or cartridge, your can of bear spray is labeled that it is meant for use against bears. It needs to actually say deterring bear attacks or labeled as bear deterrent. Apparently there are some products that are in similar packaging, but not actually meant for bears. At least that's what I got out of the readings. Your canister should also be approximately 225 grams or 7.9 ounces for a single use. Do not attempt to use the container past its expiry, although it might still be kind of effective, it's not recommended. Be sure to purchase a belt or chest holster that can carry the bear spray where it will be easily accessible to you, but has some sort of latch mechanism to keep it from falling out of the holster. Before heading out onto the trails, make sure you remove any packaging. Some of these containers will have zip ties on them to prevent accidental discharge while in the store or being transferred from location A to B. But if they're still on there when a bear or cougar is coming at you, you aren't going to be able to use it unless you have something to remove the zip tie. And well, let's face it, you don't want to waste time if you don't have to, guys. As with any product, anytime if you've never used it before, please be sure to read the labeling and manufacturer's notes that come in the packaging. These things could include things such as first aid. If you are uncertain about how to use it, this book does tell me that there are in-person bear spray training courses available. You'll have to Google to find the ones near you, but that's pretty cool. I should look into doing that. Be sure you're aware of proper first aid treatments, which like I just said, you're going to find those by reading the manufacturer's instructions in the packaging. In case someone in your group or yourself are accidentally exposed to bear spray and these medical requirements may slightly vary depending on the manufacturer or the product and brand. They should be pretty much the same, but make sure that you know what you're working with and how to treat necessary first aid issues. We started late, but I'm going to try and finish on time, guys. Pretty close anyways. In final notes about your bear safety, you are the most effective noisemaker. While there are other options such as air horns or banger cartridges and screamers, even bear bells, the, unfortunately bear bells do not make enough noise to effectively deter wildlife. That was something I learned in this reading. We always had one on my dog when I was a kid. And with those other forms of noise making options, we want to be sure that you have the proper training to utilize them, as some of those are essentially a firearm and can ricochet off of other objects or do other crazy things like start fires. So be sure if you're going to use it, you know how to use it. That's a good life lesson. Write that one down. Mentioned throughout this reading is the option of portable electrical fencing to put up around your tent and campsite which is kind of cool i never thought about it myself 
had a bad experience with electrical fence as a kid. Anyways, I would personally make sure that you practice setting that up and ensuring it works. And if you have children, ensuring they know how it works so that they don't get electrocuted before you go out on the trails and start using the stuff. So guys, my question to you this week is what animals have you encountered out on the trails? You know, if you're not from around my parts, what are the common animals where you live that you could interact with when you're out uh, camping, hiking, or biking in the local woods and outbacks and such? You guys can let me know via Twitter, email, or if you're watching this on YouTube, down below the bridge where all the trolls live in the comment section. Of course, my Twitter is crownesso, C-R-O-W-N-E-S-S, -S, the number zero, and at gmail.com for the same thing. Thanks for watching, guys. I know I kind of rushed through this episode, but I have other things I need to get to. Parenting is the reason we were late starting today. Because I try to be a good parent and it takes time. Thanks for watching. The How To Dad podcast is owned and hosted by myself, Devin Pierce, and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial share like 4.0, international license, all rights reserved. Currently available for audio listeners on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you'd like to hear us on another audio platform, be sure to let me know and I will get it out there for you.